presence has been sweet here today, and we know he has something he wants to encourage us with this morning. So Hashem, we thank you uh, for this Shabbat day that you've given to us. We thank you that uh, as we wait, Lord, upon you, God, with hearts full of expectation, uh, you never uh, disappoint, God, and, and you desire us to encounter you, to receive uh, daily fresh impartation of your presence into our lives and into our spirits. And, and on this Shabbat day, you have a word you want to speak to us as a congregation and to our individual lives. I pray for ears to hear and a will to obey and uh, to walk in uh, these truths and principles. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. So we are in our series, uh, Hope in a Hopeless World. And the message today is entitled, uh, Clinging to the Anger Anchor." of hope, the anchor of hope. So last week, Rabbi Michael uh, spoke on how to have hope, and he encourages us that true hope comes from relationship, and that most important relationship is the one that we establish with God, obviously, through Yeshua, the Messiah. And as we walk in this relationship, I want to encourage us that we need to firmly hold to the anchor of hope that God has provided for us. So let's read our text for today, which is found in the book of Messianic Jews, Uh, Chapter 6, verses 17 through 20. Therefore, when God wanted to demonstrate still more convincingly the unchangeable character of his intention to those who were to receive what he had promised, he added an oath to that promise. Just think about that. He wanted us to be more convinced, as if we shouldn't be convinced by the fact that he says it. So he added an oath to that promise. So that through two unchangeable things, in neither of which God could lie, we who have fled to take a firm hold on the hope set before us, that's where the title comes from, would be strongly encouraged. And that's what God wants to do to your heart this morning. If you're here in the sanctuary or you're listening up by the podcast, God wants to strongly encourage your heart about having hope. And my husband spoke two weeks ago on the necessity of hope. And friends, we have to have hope in in, in our lives. And so God, through this passage here and through the series and through all of his words, uh, wants you to be strongly encouraged concerning the hope that he has. It goes on to say in verse 19, we have this hope as a sure and safe anchor for ourselves, a hope that goes right on through to what is inside the parochet, where a forerunner has entered on our behalf, namely Yeshua, who has become a Kohen Gadol forever to be compared with Melchizedek. Now, in that first message, Rabbi Michael used this scripture uh, when he talked briefly about how hope will keep us safe during a storm. And in today's message, we're going to uh, cover in more detail the concept of hope being an anchor. Now, this is the only time in the Bible believe it or not, that the imagery of an anchor is used. And one writer describes the use of anchors for ships as follows. Now, we live uh, on an island, and, uh, you know, we have ships all around us, although our family is not really water people. It's amazing, but (laughs) some of you might be. Uh, But we all do know what an anchor is. And it goes on to say that the main reason a ship needs an anchor is to ride out storms so that it's not blown off course or into the rocks or reeds nearby. But it went on to say, even in a safe harbor, a ship needs an anchor so that it will not drift, hit something, or sink. So whether in the storms of life or in the harbor during the calm times of life, we all need an anchor for our souls so that we do not destroy our lives. 
And that's very, very important. The anchor of hope is to protect us from destruction, destruction from the storms, but also destruction from ourselves. Even when you are in a peaceful time that you are not uh, drifting away from your faith, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes. So the ultimate hope for us as believers is uh, obviously eternal life that awaits us because of Yeshua's death, burial, and resurrection, which we'll also talk about in the message. However, hope is not just something for eternity. Uh, Adonai wants us to have a hope in this journey that, that I call life and he calls life. And that's not one, there's not one person who has not gone through or perhaps is right now in the midst of a storm. You're in a situation where you thought you would never, ever be. And God wants us all to have hope in this stormy time of our lives. And again, even as the uh, article said that I shared a while ago, even if you're in a peaceful time, you still need to cling to the anchor so that you don't drift away, okay? And, uh, you know, if you saw my post on Facebook uh, this week, and if not, go read it. I was just very stirred by things. And I made a little, uh, you know, graphic there that in bold letters says, sin is still sin. And uh, too many people in the body are drifting away from the truth of God's word. Uh, and that's why we have an anchor to keep us where we need to be, centered, you know, in uh, his presence and in the truth of his words. So let's look at um, a few things here this morning that God wants to encourage us about this anchor of hope. The first two things is to encourage us what the anchor is based on. And the first is it's based on his unchangeable character. Yaakov James 1.17 tells us, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He, read that with me, never changes. Selah. God never, ever changes. That's what our anchor of hope is, that he's a God who does not change. This is hard for us to fathom because everything and everyone around us changes. When I go back to Missouri every two or three years, uh, things have drastically changed. Uh, the, uh, the neighborhood that I knew growing up no longer exists. It's just, it's totally changed. I mean, it's there, but it's changed. You know, I lived on a dead-end street. There was a, my parents' house, and then the rest of the, the street was all, was all just empty lots, fields, you know, that we used to play in as kids. Now it's just a community and the road's been opened up. You know, once uh, a few years back, I took my husband up and my kids. We went up to St. Joseph where I was born and I spent summers up there at my grandmother's house. Uh, my grandmother's house no longer exists. Uh, it was taken down and there's something else was put there in its place. So uh, the world is always changing around us. We're changing. You know, uh, you can look at pictures from five years ago, and most of us have changed in those five years. Uh, and um, so we're not used to things not changing, right? Uh, our country has changed. Our world has changed. I was just uh, uh, reflecting a lot. I shared earlier this year there had been a, a reunion of uh, the ministry that I went to Israel with and lived on the kibbutz, 
there in Israel for a year. Uh, but the whole kibbutz movement has changed. There's not a need for them. So they, uh, they no longer function in the way they did when I was there back in the 1980s. So the world is constantly changing around us. And so to understand that God does not change sometimes is a little mind-boggling because everything else does change, uh, including us. But God says very clearly that he never, ever changes, and that anchor of hope is based on that. And that, my friends, is good news. He is consistent in his nature. Tehillim Psalms 102, verses 25 through 27 says, In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth. Heaven is the work of your hands. They will vanish, earth and heaven, but you will remain. Like clothing, they will all grow old. Yes, you will change them like clothing, and they will pass away. But you remain the same, and your years will never, ever end. Consistency. God is who he is, who he was, and will always be. Messianic Jews, Hebrews 13.8 says, Yeshua, the Messiah, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So one God who is uh, one author writing on the immutability, which is the theological word for the fact that God does not change, said, our God, the God of the Bible, the historical God of Israel, is a God of consistency. He is not capricious or fickle, as pagan deities were often portrayed in ancient mythologies. The God of the Bible is a God of covenant faithfulness. He does not change. That is so important for you and I to understand and to be encouraged by today as we are looking to have an anchor that we can uh, hold on to in the midst of a world that is rapidly changing. Sometimes I step back and I, I feel like this is not even the world that I, I mean, it's not the world I know. Again, those of us who are older, it's certainly not the world we grew up in, right? And so what can we hold on to? We can hold on to the anchor of hope that God is the, the same God today and will be tomorrow as he has always, always been. So what do we know about the character of God? Just quickly to go through some of these, um, and it's not exhaustive, but these are the truths of who God is, who he was in the, the, the Holy Scriptures, who he is today, and who he will be to, uh, tomorrow. Uh, again, never, ever changing. First, he is holy. Yeshuahu, Isaiah 6, 3 and they called one to another, saying, Kadosh, 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 Adonai Tzivaot, Melokol Haaretz Kevodo. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? The whole earth is filled with his glory. God is holy and righteous. He will never, ever change. That's why when I wrote in that little uh, uh, piece on Facebook that we can coddle sins and justify and things like this, but God doesn't. He's a holy God. He's holy, holy, righteous. And uh, those angels are crying out holy, and that needs to be our heart posture now, because certainly in heaven it's going to be that, because when you stand literally before the creator of the heavens and the earth, and you uh, see him face to face, panim el panim, trust me, you're going to be on your knees. You're going to be flat on your face, and you're going to be in so much awe because his holiness is, is going to be more than you and I could ever, ever bear. He is holy God. He always has been and always will be. He's a merciful God. We, we alluded to this from our study on Wednesday night. 
I am so grateful for God's mercy, his rachamim. It says in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, but God is so rich in mercy. Who else besides me is grateful God is merciful? I am so glad he is merciful to me. And he loves us with such an intense love that even when we were dead because of our acts of disobedience, he brought us to life along with the Messiah. It is by grace that you have been delivered. God's mercy is something that we can depend on. It's an anchor we can run to. Even when we do blow it, even when we do make mistakes, we can appeal to his mercy because he does not change. He's a forgiving God that goes with his mercy. Ephesians 1, 7 through 8, in union with him through the shedding of his blood, we are set free. Our sins are forgiven. And this accords with the wealth of the grace that he has lavished on us. He is loving. We know from Romans 5 eight that tells us that God demonstrated his own love for us and that the Messiah died on our behalf while we were still sinners. Who loves a person who basically is, you know, putting their fist in, their, in your face? While we were at enmity, at odds with God, he demonstrated his love for us. That's how great his love is, and that love will never, ever change towards you or me or anyone else. He's patient. Skipping down uh, in the PowerPoint there, Kephabet, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some people think of slowness. On the contrary, he is patient with you. He never tires from our Haftorah today. Haven't you known, haven't you heard that the everlasting God, Adonai, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not grow tired or weary? We get tired. We get a little weary by the things that we're going through, by the circumstances and situations that are in our lives. They can overwhelm us. They can weary us down. But God does not grow weary. We said this before. He is not put off by what you are facing in your life right now. He knew it before it even happened. Doesn't mean he wanted it to happen, but he knows everything. And he's not wearied or tired, and God has a plan and a purpose and, and, and a way to bring you through that storm that you are in to safety. That's the anchor that you can hold on to. He's a just God. Devarim 32.5, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A trustworthy God who does no wrong, he is righteous and straight. Again, I just refer back to this, this uh, post I uh, I place because this has been so on my heart. We are going to stand before a just God one day, friends. Listen to me. You're not going to give account for what Rabbi Carol or Rabbi Michael thinks. You're not going to have to answer to God because we say so or we don't, but you're going to have to answer to God because God says so. Okay? He's a just and righteous God. Yes, he's loving, but he's just and righteous, and in that justice and righteousness, he will judge us according to everything that we have done And everything that we have done needs to line up to his word. Not perfection, as we're going to talk about in a few minutes, but striving to live holy lives without compromise. He is the same. He was just yesterday. He is just today. And he will be just tomorrow. And he is faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, and let's confess, we've been faithless at times towards God. He remains faithful, 
for he cannot, cannot disown himself. Friends, I think it is so important for us to remind ourselves of the character and nature of Adonai, because the enemy of our soul portrays God so differently than he really is. He tells us that God is mean and that God is angry. He bombards our minds with lies that God doesn't love us and doesn't care for us, and that if he really cared, then we would not be suffering. Our emotions are easily swayed by those lies. Unfortunately, there is pain in this world. And we're alluding a lot to Marina and her Devar Torah, me and my message to our Wednesday night Torah study. Uh, I plug right along with her. It is a great time to come and interact and discuss the word of God. Uh, but we talked about the cause of sickness as well. And we all agreed that it is just part of the fallen world that we live in. When sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve, a lot of things change. And sickness is now a part of, of that world. And, and so there is pain in the world. The, the presence of pain or sickness in your life or my life does not mean that God doesn't care. And that's important. So the enemy will make you think God doesn't care. Because if he cared, you wouldn't hurt like this. If, you care, if he cared, you wouldn't still be sick. If, you, if he cared, you wouldn't still be struggling in, 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 the, in this storm. I'm going to tell you that even when we cannot see him, even when the winds and the waves are beating so hard uh, against us and the the rain is so torrential that you can't see through it, God is still there. God is faithful, and he's the anchor that you and I can cling to in that storm that is bombarding our heart and our mind and our emotions and our family. Friends, I want to encourage you, constantly fill your mind with the truth of who God really is, not the lies that hell tries to speak to you or the portrayal of God by a world who does not know him. You hear what I'm saying? The world will tell you that your God is this way or that way. They don't even know him. Our God is a loving God. He is a caring God who gave his only son because he loved mankind. He's reliable and he is trustworthy. He will never, ever let you down. He will never, ever leave you alone. Again, even if you walk through difficult times, even if you're in a terrible storm, he is truly that anchor of hope that you need to grab hold of right now in your life, and in the situation that you're in. The second thing from this passage about the anchor of hope is to understand that it is based on his promises. We are told in this passage from Hebrews that Adonai added an oath to his promise to ensure that we understand his intentions towards us. And as I read uh, that scripture, I said, Isn't, think about it. His word is not enough the creator of the heavens and earth who never, ever lies, but God, because he cared for us and he wanted to make sure that you and I knew his intentions, he made an oath on top of the promises that he made. In other words, God is saying, Beth Emanuel, you can trust my word. You can trust it to the very end. What I have said, I mean it. 
And I am telling you, my word is true. I will never, ever, ever go against what I declare in my word. That's why the psalmist often talks about putting his hope in Adonai's word. In 119 verse 74, he says, Those who fear you rejoice at the sight of me because I put my hope in your word. Rav Shaul tells us in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For however many promises God has made, they all find their yes in connection with him, Messiah. That is why it is through him that we say the amen and we give glory to God. All God's promises, all of them, God says, you can trust me. I want you to know, again, I want to strongly encourage you, God's heart this morning, that you would be strongly encouraged from this message. My promises are for you and for your life and for your situation. Kephabet, 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. God's power has given us everything. We just preached on this in a series uh, a few months ago. Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowing the one who called us to his own glory and godliness or goodness. And by these he has given us valuable and superlatively good promises. Great promises. So when has God ever changed his word? Never. Adonai always, always keeps his word. Bamidbar, Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a human who lies or a mortal who changes his mind. When he says something, he will do it. When he makes a promise, he will fulfill it. That's what he wants you to receive today. That's the anchor to hold on to, the anchor of his word. Two other scriptures that encourage us with this. One is from Yeshiahu, Isaiah 55, 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me unfulfilled, but will accomplish what I intend and cause to succeed what I sent it to do. And Devarim 7, 9, you can know that Adonai your God is indeed God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant, who keeps his covenant, who keeps his word. God says, hang on to the anchor of my word, my promises, the things that I have declared. I always, always fulfill my word. And the anchor, as I said in the opening, is based on the finished work of Messiah. We're told there in verses 19 and 20, we have this hope as a sure and safe anchor for ourselves because it is a hope that goes right on through to what is inside the parochet, the holy of holies in heaven, where forewarner has entered on our behalf, Yeshua, who has become a Kohen Gadol forever to be compared with Melchizedek. Yeshua is our hope. He died on the tree of sacrifice. He cried out on that tree, it is finished. The work of atonement had been accomplished. His blood had been poured out to provide forgiveness for the sins of mankind. He was buried in that grave, but friends, he did not stay there. He rose from the grave three days later, and I want to tell you today that he is still alive. And because he lives, amen, because he lives, you and I have a hope in this world and for the world 
to come. He is my Kohen HaGadol. He is your great high priest. And what is he doing right now? I was sharing with someone in the last month or so that he is sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. Do you understand that? Right now, Yeshua is praying for you. Who else would you want to pray for you besides Yeshua? I mean, we send out the prayer request and we get the prayer chain going and that it's great to pray for one another. But friends, I take Yeshua over you any day. No, no offense intended, but he's praying for me. He's praying for you. He's interceding for us. He is our hope. He's alive. We don't have to just celebrate that at Passover time. Amen? He's alive forevermore. And because he is alive, there is a hope in my heart. His complete work means the following. One, my sins are forgiven and my name is written in the book of life. Two, my sickness is healed. Three, I have power over darkness. And four, I can walk in peace and joy even in the storms of life. Because he is alive. Because he is alive. There is hope. Even when we don't understand what's going on, there's hope because he is alive. And the last thing in this message I want to encourage us with this morning goes to the the title is, God wants to tell you, never, ever, ever let go of the hope that he has given you. One writer said, hope is biblical shorthand for unconditional certainty. Unconditional certainty. I have hope. That means I know that I know that I know the God who I serve. And I know that I know I know the word that he has written is always true. And God says, don't let go of that hope. It says in this passage and several other Verses here in the book of Messianic Jews that we need to take a firm hold on the hope that is set before us. The Greek word there is krateo, and it just, it really means to like seize and to grab hold of the noun form. It means strength, actually, and is used in the Septuagint to translate the word chazak, which we, uh, most of us are familiar with. So when it says to take hold of, it's not like, okay, let me grab this little pedal here and hold on to this. All right? No, it's saying to grab hold of it and to take it firmly in your hands and hold tightly to it. That's what God is telling us to do with hope. Don't let go of it. Firmly hold on to the hope of who I am and my word. Unfortunately, too many peoples let go of the anchor and they're tossed to and fro in the waves of the storm or they're lured away from their relationship with Adonai in smooth waters because they feel they can do this thing called life on their own. Either way, the result is disaster and destruction. When we look at the section in chapter 6 before these verses, we see that Adonai is connecting this concept of the anchor of hope to Abraham, who was the topic of our Parsha this week, and will be for the next few weeks as we continue through Bereshit. 
But verses 13 through 15 of Messianic Jews 6 tells us that when God made his promise to Abraham, he swore an oath to do what he had promised. And since there was no one greater than himself for him to swear by, he swore by himself. And he said, I will certainly bless you, and I will certainly give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham saw the promise fulfilled. Now, as we already heard from Rena's Devar Torah, and in the study on Wednesday night, uh, the scriptures don't cover up the foibles of the men and women of faith. So Abraham, we talked about how he lied, and Michael shared several times on Wednesday night that it is encouraging to read about the struggle of people like Abraham, who is considered, really he particularly is considered to be the epitome of faith, the man of faith, right, the father of faith. And why is it encouraging? Because his uh, foible, it's another way to say his sin, uh, didn't disqualify him from God, right? And God's mercy, as Rena said, we concluded uh, whether we all agreed uh, about the motive or the reasons or the right or wrong of Abraham's actions, we all agree that God is a merciful God and that it's not our place to judge one another, but to all fall onto his mercy, right? But Abraham was a man of faith, and he was a man who knew how to cling to God and to his promises. So I want us to turn to one last passage this morning that talks about the hope that Abraham clung to, and that's found in Romans chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. Abraham is our father in God's sight because he trusted God as the one who gives life to the dead and calls non-existent things into existence. which say la, I could stop there and preach, but someone needs to grab hold of that. They're just saying, you need to be like Abraham and believe that God can give life to even the dead things in your life. Okay? And those non-existent things that you're waiting for, you need to believe that God will call them into existence. For he was past hope, yet in hope he trusted that he would indeed become a father to many nations in keeping with what he had been told so many will your seed be. His trust did not waver when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a 100 years old, or when he considered that Sarah's womb was dead too, he did not by lack of trust decide against God's promise. On the contrary, by trust he was given power as he gave glory to God, for he was fully convinced, say that with me, fully convinced that what God had promised he could also accomplish. How did Abraham hold to that anchor of hope that he had. In the character and the promises that God had made to him. There's four things, five things I believe this passage tells us. That even though, first, even though his situation was beyond hope, he still hoped. He still hoped in the promise of God. He kept his mind focused on what God said. God says, I am going to make you a father of many nations. He said, I believe this is what he did. He kept his focus there. I am going to have a son. I will have descendants as numerous as the sand 
on the seashore and the stars in the sky. Even though the situation was beyond hope and looked impossible, I believe Abraham still hoped in God's promise by focusing on that promise. And that's what God wants to encourage you and I to do today. That even though your situation may be beyond you and beyond anything in the natural, to still hope in the promises that God has made in his word. The second thing that Abraham did is he did not waver when those circumstances looked dire. Friends, we all know that 190 is not the normal age to have a child. And there's not any of us who are in the latter part of our lives who would like to try that. So he got it that his and Sarah's reproductive days were over in the natural, but he did not let that deter him in his firm hold on hope. So no matter what you and I see with our natural eyes, we cannot let go of the anchor of hope. Do not waver back and forth. Yaakov tells us a man that wavers back and forth will never, ever receive anything. So we need to be steadfast and firm, not in us, not in the circumstance, but in the God that we, who is our anchor and in his promises. So that prodigal in your life may seem beyond hope and as if they will never turn to God, but I would encourage you, do not waver in your conviction that Adonai promised you that you and your household would be saved. Don't be discouraged by the attitude your child may be displaying in the home. Don't be overwhelmed by what you see in your checkbook. Don't listen to the lies of hell that tell you there is no hope for your situation. Cling to the anchor that God has given to you and hold fast in your conviction. Don't waver back and forth. The third thing is he walked by faith. No, he was not perfect, but he stood strong in his faith. We need to remember that we walk by faith and not by sight. It is not what you see with your eyes. No matter how long it may take, we need to grab hold of that anchor again and never let go. I pray that that would be the thing that penetrates your heart and your mind and spirit, that you do not let go of the anchor. The next thing that goes in connection with that, conjunction with that, is he did not make a decision that was contrary to the character and the word of God. You see, sometimes in the midst of the storm, it is easy for us to frantically grasp for anything that remotely looks like help. So when things uh, start going wrong and haywire and, and uh, everything is uh, you know, out of control in our lives, we try to uh, fix it and put it all together. And often in fixing and putting it together, we make decisions that are contrary to God's character and his word, and it makes the situation worse. See, Abraham had some moments where he did things like that. And one of those is where he uh, took Hagar and produced Ishmael. And we are still bearing the results of that decision. And nothing against our our, our brothers and sisters, but I'm saying it's a decision that had consequences. So I want to encourage you, in the midst of your storm, do not make a decision that is contrary to God's character or to his word, or you will see the consequences in your life and in the generations after you. Instead, make decisions in line with who God is and what his character is and what his word says. So Abraham did not make a decision contrary 
to the promises of God or contrary to the word of God or to the character of God. We need to always make choices that line up with who God is and what his word says. And finally, it says he always believed in the power of God to do what he said. In fact, I like that this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. It says that he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he said he would do. Fully convinced. So when sickness is wrecking your body, when your child's behavior is tearing your heart, when your finances are dwindling away, it is easy to give in and uh, say there is no hope for me. But God wants to encourage you and me to refuse to give in to those thoughts, instead to be fully convinced like Abraham was of who God is and the fact that he cannot lie and that he will fulfill his promise for you and your family and for this congregation, the things that he has spoken over this congregation and, and prophesied through many different people. Oh, Rabbi Carol, that's good, that's good, I'm encouraged, but how long do I have to wait? That is the million-dollar question. And friends, I don't have the answer. Abraham waited 25 years. And some of you are saying, I don't have 25 years to wait, Rabbi Carol. I hope he doesn't wait that long. No matter what the time frame is, be fully convinced. How do you cling to the anchor? Be fully convinced in the God who has made the promise, who is the anchor. I close with these uh, two scriptures. Hebrews 10, 23, let us continue holding fast to the hope hope we acknowledge without waving for the one who made the promise is trustworthy. That's why I can cling to this anchor. And finally, this prayer that Rav Shaul made for the Kehilah in Rome, it is my prayer for you today. As you hold firmly to the anchor of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, that you may overflow with hope. Let's rise to our feet as we close this morning. Thank you that um, in a hopeless world, there is hope in you, God. That you are the anchor of hope that we can cling to. And God, there's a lot of different things happening, Lord, in the lives of the people here in this sanctuary this morning and those listening to podcasts. A lot of them facing situations that in the natural seem uh, beyond hope. But God, we are encouraged on this day to be like Abraham, and to cling to you, the anchor of our hope, and to never let go, knowing that you will take us through the storm, that you will bring us to safety. Father, that you will fulfill the promises that you have spoken over our lives, over this congregation, over our families. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. I want to close with the ironic benediction. Uh, this afternoon we do have prayer from 2 to 3, Hebrew from 3 to 4, youth again tonight from 6 to 9 at my house. Uh, if anyone needs prayer, 
uh, I'll be available. Maybe some others from the ministry team can come up after the Ronic benediction, and we certainly want to partner with you in prayer. But let's close with the Ronic benediction, officially the service, and God bless you, and we hope to see many of you at prayer this afternoon. May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. In this way, you are to put my name on the people of Israel so that I will bless them. May you walk in the blessing, the joy, and peace of God Almighty, and may you cling to him as the anchor of your soul. Shabbat Shalom.